Hi everybody, this is Ryan. Just wanted to let you know that we're having some production issues with our originally scheduled episode 25, Caregiver, which was uh, our longest podcast record record to date. In order to give you something on our regularly scheduled Sunday, we're going to give you what was originally our 26th scheduled episode, Day of Honor, which is Voyager Season 4, Episode 3. Caregiver will be on your feed in two weeks, and then after that will be After Image, which is DS9 Season 7, Episode 3. Then we'll be back on our regular production schedule. So, when we reference discussions that happened in our previous Caregiver episode, you'll know why. Thank you, and enjoy the show. So, uh, last time, our last cold open, I got halfway through my... Uh, perfect season of uh, of TNG oh, right. list. Um, so I, I'll, I know this last one we kind of went kind of long, so I'll try to make this one a little quicker, right. but I did want to finish it up. Um, so at number... Uh, at uh, number uh, th- uh, 13, sorry, at number 13, I have uh, Darmok. That's uh, season okay. 5, episode 2. That's Yeah, classic. Great, 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 great episode. Uh... Uh, number or the number fourteen, we've got uh, a matter of time. That's the one where there's a a guy who pretends to be a time traveler, who is like trying to steal stuff off of the ship, uh, but he's just like a criminal who is from uh, this time period. I vaguely remember something. I believe that's like what that. it happens anyway. It's been a while since I've seen it, but it's a good episode. And there's a conundrum, which is uh, a great one where everyone on the ship wakes up. And realizes that they've all been like been knocked out. Oh, were they like being experimented on or whatever? Maybe I can't remember. If that's I, I. I remember this. Is, this is my my memory is is going. But there's there's like one guy who's there who like is pretending that he's been there the whole time, but he's actually like a new guy. And so he's he's. I think I think you're right. I think he might be. They he might be part of like an experiment. And there's I Borg, which is the one with Hugh. Hugh. Then there's the Inner Light, another classic ep, uh, where Picard lives that whole life as a different person. You remember that? Ep- you know that episode, right? Uh, yeah, vaguely. Yeah. Um, that's the one where he learns the flute. <laughs> okay. um, yep. Then there's Rascals, where uh, a bunch of them get uh, turned into kids. Yes. <laughs> then there's uh, a, fi- a, a Fistful of Datas, which is the the Western episode in the holiday. The old Western. Yeah. It's a great episode. Uh, then there's timescape where they keep on getting stuck in time and like blowing up and they have to figure out how to like get unstuck from time okay yeah parallels which is the one where Worf is like jumping through parallel realities and then uh the pegasus which is the one where Riker is hangs out with his old captain who is terry o'quinn and they go to find the ship that that he was on before uh he was on the enterprise and it turns out there's been some kind of untoward starfleet experiments going on on the ship and then there's lower decks which is the oh that's the one about like the kind of the random other people on the crew that you don't right normally focus on just the rank and file type people yep and and that's where the the new animated show is getting its its name from um and then uh then the last one is journey's end which is the one where picard is tries to figure out what to do about Starfleet has basically asked him to uh, resettle some Native Americans who are who are living on a on a planet now like kind of on like a reservation planet okay. sort of yeah that episode is really good even though they're the second main character of it is Wesley but... I was say that's a very Wesley heavy one yeah right? yeah that's the one where he like I that's yeah, I, th- that's that's something that's really weird about that about TNG, which is that like that's like one of the last episodes. That's uh, episode twenty of season seven, and it ends with Wesley quitting Starfleet 
because it's like not it's kind of like beneath him sort of because he's going to go off with the traveler yeah he like realized that he's he has these like cosmic powers or something right and and then like one or two episodes later is the last episode with ensign Rowe, and she also quits starfleet <laughs> uh, so it's it, it kind of because she doesn't feel like she's doing enough in starfleet to like help out with uh, Bejor's, you know, struggle against the Cardassians, and there's like this weird thing where like the show kind of ends with two different characters, kind of being like, eh, Starfleet, bleh, you know, <laughs> like, it, and the show's over. It's it's a strange, uh, strange choice. But anyway, though, those are my, those are my top uh, twenty four, give her, nice, give or take. Yeah. Well, once we finish this, we should do another podcast where we just go through only the the good episodes of all of Star Trek. It'll be it'll be shorter. But... Yeah. It'll be shorter, but that's that's good because we'll be close to death by the time that we yes, yeah, so we'll be like in our finish doing all these. What we've realized. All right, yeah. uh, I can't find my kazoo, so I'm going to use my mouth. Hi, and uh, welcome to Auto Contracts, the show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. Uh, and this is, I believe, our this marks our one year of doing the podcast in terms of like publishing, anyway. So, wow, pretty pretty cool. That's wild. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm a, I've had a fun a fun year doing it. It has been a lot of fun. It does not feel like that much time has passed doing it. Yeah, the yeah the um, I will say this this episode, uh, you know, kind of our twenty fifth episode, could also kind of serve as like the anniversary of that, and maybe it, it would be better if it did because that. That episode is a little bit more um, momentous. You know, we got to t- do the pilot of Voyager, which is a extra length episode, and then this episode is just kind of an episode of Voyager. Uh, yeah, yeah. I feel like this. Yeah. So this time we are talking about the Voyager episode three of season four, which is called "Day of Honor," and the the synopsis on Memory Alpha is Lieutenants Belana Torres and Tom Paris admit feelings for each other while close to death a race of homeless aliens skipping right to the end there right, huh? yeah and then the, the, a race of homeless aliens ask for voyager's help but are not quite satisfied with what they receive yeah it seems as though it should be reversed uh, chronologically but what are you gonna do so um <laughs> this episode is written by jerry taylor one of the uh, creators of voyager and it's directed by jesus salvador trevino so why don't you bring us in tell us about uh, what's going on in this in this here episode brady yeah, so this this episode, it's interesting because there's the two, I would say the two kind of major storylines that we're following this is we're following Bolana Torres and Seven of Nine, really, I think is the other sort of main player in this story, mm-hmm. um, or like main focus. Because it, it starts out with Seven of Nine telling Chakotay that, and, and I think, I forget the exact timing, but it seems like this is pretty early after Seven of Nine joins the crew, kind of join, they, they pick her up, I think it's at the end of season three, start of season four. I actually think that it's the beginning of season, yeah, I think it's the first episode of season four, I believe, that they pick her up. Yeah. And so, you know, so her, her part of the story is just her trying to kind of like fit in with this crew and start to, you know, come to terms with being human again and, and realizing what that means. Um, and so she asks for a job working in engineering, which is led by Belana Torres, who, I don't know how, I know we've referenced her before, but I don't know how much we've talked about. So Belana Torres is, is half human and half Klingon. Mm. 
I think she's only also uh like she's played by uh what's her name Rosanna uh Dawson is that her name um Roxanne Dawson who I believe is Hispanic right and I think also like the only is, the yeah. only Hispanic like lead character who's ever been on a Star Trek show like on any of Star Trek or maybe and that might be a character uh, on Discovery one in maybe Discovery it would be my the only other one I would know of yeah because I can't think of anybody on any of the other ones. Yeah, but anyway, that's just, I don't know. I think that's that's noteworthy. Yeah. You know, they, they joke a lot on Treks in the City um, that um, something happened on Earth, you know, where all, all the, the, <laughs> none of the Hispanic people made it uh, to space for some reason. So it's nice to see a Hispanic character on the show. That, that there's at least half of one. Yeah, yeah, at least, even though she's, yeah, she's half Hispanic and half um, Klingon, but still. <laughs> yeah. And so she... We kind of find out through an expositionary conversation that today, like the day on which this episode is set, is a Klingon holiday called the Day of Honor. That's a very uh, is... first draft name for a Klingon holiday. <laughs> yeah, it's like, we have a Klingon holiday, what are we going to call it? Yeah, something, something, honor. Uh, yeah, honor day, yeah, sure. honormous, you know. <laughs> honormous, yeah. <laughs> yep, and then they just kind of just kind of went with that. And it's a little, it's, it's a little vague to me what that is, but it's, they kind of say that it's mostly you, my best understanding is you kind of look back over the past year and decide, have you been a good and honorable Klingon and what kind of what feats have you accomplished and what glory have won? My, yeah, my interpretation of it, it is mostly, you could, you could be doubled as eat gross food day. That's because that seems like most of the ceremony is just her eating nasty Klingon food that she doesn't even like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because she, so she goes into a, a holodeck simulation of the day of honor and it's this cave with these Klingons in it. And yeah, and it, it starts out with just like the Klingon keeps bringing her different. He's like, here, blood wine here, heart of Targ. And they just kind of keep bringing her various foods that she takes a bite of and acts disgusted by. And yeah, Neelix at one point also fixes her a blood pie. So yeah. And so, and basically kind of the whole, the whole theme is that, Belana Torres is having this very bad day, and and part of it's because she d- doesn't really have any desire to celebrate this Klingon holiday or uh, kind of get in touch with that side of her heritage. And then just also, it's just been like a day where she's having lots of bad luck and lots of bad things are happening, and they just kind of keep getting worse. And so she just keeps getting more and more frustrated, slap- snapping at everybody, and very like ending pretty much every scene with her doing a like nice "I am exasperated." emote where she sighs and shakes her head and then it fades out and uh tom paris keeps on coming in to try to make her feel better and she keeps on she keeps on telling him to to leave her alone and yes. uh which i don't 100 percent blame her because like her his methods of, yeah he, he is tom paris his, yeah right well that and also his methods of cheering her up are not great there's at one point where he says you've been like a spitting cobra all day and it's getting boring and it's like all right that's cool very <laughs> yeah he he mostly i think is it like is annoyed at her because her being mad is is making is making his life more difficult or making him less likely to get close to her yeah i mean i sure i think i think probably that they they wanted it to be that he cared about her but i don't know i i, I just get such like douche vibes off of tom paris that maybe i'm just kind of predisposed to not trust his attempts to do anything yeah um, and then, and you, you, you mentioned, and there is, I did actually like the scene with where Neelix tries to cheer her up. Yeah. 
Um, especially because it came right on the tails of a scene of Tom Paris trying to cheer her up. And the I feel like both the character and just kind of the performance were, were just very like clunky and cringy. And then Neelix did just great job of just, he's just this nice, caring guy. And he, he offers to, it's like a very genuine thing, not trying to be sarcastic or make a point or anything. At least that was the impression I got, is that he was very genuinely, he offers to Belana Torres that anytime she wants to, she can just yell at him and insult him and essentially kind of let off some of this anger and feelings that she's trying to keep bottled up. Um, and he's like, it won't, it won't bother me, I'm used to it. And I was just like, aw. <laughs> like, I like Neelix. Yeah, he seems like a good dude. He's a fun A good dude. Good guy. Um, now, also, so is this, does his uh, girlfriend, does she die? Uh, like, how does she leave the show? Because this, this would have been right after she leaves, right? Yeah, it is. So, right, and that's, it's right at this, the, kind of the turn of a season. It's right as Seven of Nine joins the show and Kess leaves the show. And if I remember it, essentially, you know, they, because in Caretaker, they sort of mentioned a couple times that the, um, oh, what are they called? Oh, the, the, the underground people. I can't remember what they're called. Uh, yeah. But that that her race has these kind of latent psychic powers that used to be more powerful, and then because they were so sheltered by the caretaker, they, they've they kind of lost. But it, uh, essentially, they the way they write her off the show is that her powers kind of keep developing more and more and getting harder and harder for her to control. And she decides that like for the safe it gets to the point where she's actually causing danger to Voyager mm. and so for the safety of Voyager she decides she has to leave the ship and kind of go off into space so that she won't harm them and you know she'll like continue to explore and develop her powers and try to you know do something with that mm-hmm. um but yeah but there's so there's an episode i think it's one of the first episodes of this season um where where it's just Kess kind of coming to a point where she decides she has to leave mm mm-hmm. Okay, um, so uh, yeah, I was just thinking about that—that that he might be kind of a little bit raw, also because he's missing his yeah, his lady. that's true. Because yeah, that did happen pretty recently, I think. Yeah, so then this kind of uh, eventually dovetails with um, with the other plot that's going on. Yeah, and so they kind of as these internal personal things are happening, um, and then so we're seven of nine. I'm being very kind of scatterbrained about my retelling of the story but where seven of nine comes into this well, it doesn't it doesn't i mean like the thing about this episode is that like nothing on on the Taurus side of it nothing it doesn't matter what order any of it occurs in. it's just kind of like yeah she just kind of like thing any, any scene with torres is just like torres is annoyed by all of this and then yeah and then she ends up in space angry at people which we'll get to yeah <laughs> and then at the end she ends up in space. yeah and so so what her and seven of nine start working on in engineering is making a a transwarp conduit, which is this Borg technology that would let them travel faster than warp speed. Right. We talked. We talked um, about this in the Dark Frontier episode, I believe. They they like attack. Yes. Because they're trying ships, to get yeah to get them. So I, I guess what it ends up being is that there's a specific piece of equipment or something from the Borg ship that they need to make it work because it, spoilers, it doesn't work in this episode. Right. Um. And and at this point, everyone is still very distrustful of Seven and you know, worried that she's going to turn them over to the Borg or try to sabotage them so that she can go back to the Borg. Um, kind of no one really trusts her because she's Borg. Uh, and while, so while they're working on this, the, the captain encounters this 
uh, or I guess the whole ship does, but they encounter this race of people called the Katadi, and it's this, these kind of, they're presented as these sort of refugees, that their world was taken over by the Borg, and there's just a few of them left that are kind of fleeing in these ships, and they have no resources, and their children are starving, and they kind of need whatever help they can get. They kind of look like uh, Star Wars aliens to me a little bit more than Star Trek, which I didn't. I didn't mind. I thought he looked like pretty neat. I thought you, I feel like you don't really see outside of like the bar on DS Nine. I feel like you don't really see that kind of alien very much in in uh, the show. Where there's just that much like a different shape of yeah, like a different shaped head everything. and like like just like yeah, like it's not just like it's not just like makeup. It's like or I mean like it is makeup, yeah, but it's like I don't true. know. It's it's like. It's it's changing like the like the geometry of the face a little bit more than just like putting weird ridges on your Adding forehead or whatever. Onto it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, they were very they were kind of interesting looking, and I think we only ever really see the one of them, right? Like they reference that there's more, but right. I think he may be the only one that. Actually, I think that there are two different ones. I th- I think I think that the guy who talks to them on the ship and then the guy who comes over to the ship are two different people, which I did not, oh, right. I did not realize until, until just now I'm looking on the memory alpha and it appears that okay. the guy talking to them on the ship is named like, uh, ramen. And then the guy on the ship is named Loomis. Okay. So, Interesting. Yeah. They might as well be the same and, person and, though. Yeah. And Loomis is, I think the main kind of one that they interact with. And so Voyager is kind of, gives them whatever they're able to and and then they you know he tries to guilt them into to giving them more uh and they say you know no this kind of all the resources we can spare we have to take care of ourselves and then they and then we go back to in engineering where they're trying to start up this trans warp uh conduit that they've been working on Mm -hmm. uh which is the point where and i think it's it's a little bit later that then somebody they keep, you know, Bolanatorios keeps referencing this is the worst day ever, and I, there was a point where I was just like, wait, so this, uh, this d- all takes place over the course of just one day. I feel like the amount of things that that happen, I, you know, you get the impression that this is more time passing, and apparently this is still all just over the course of one day. Mm. That they're able to install a transwarp conduit and get it ready to to test fire. Yeah, that is weird. But, but anyways, <laughs> and so they they start to do that, and it goes horribly wrong and in order to save the ship they have to eject the the warp core um and so they they dump their their warp core out into space and are left just kind of drifting so maybe i just didn't catch it but i thought that was weird i thought i thought like usually when like you dump a warp core I think I also I just watched. Um, it's because it's about to explode. Yeah, like I just I just watched. I want to say I think it's in. I think it's in. I think it's in uh, Insurrection. Right? We just watched all the TNG movies, and in Insurrection they dump the warp core, and it blows up, and they like use that as like this offensive thing, and so maybe that's just why. But yeah, to me it's like oh warp core dumping like it's it's gonna blow up, but then like they dump the warp core and then. The warp core is fine. Like it just seems like it just needed yeah, to like, cool off. Yeah, and they're just like, okay, well, we gotta go get it back now. Yeah, that's yeah, that is a good point. And they, what is it? They say it's it's like leaking tachyons or flooding them with tachyons. Yeah, it's, but apparently after they dump it, it stops. It's leaking science. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because it is one of those things that yeah, when they they dump it and the ship flies away, like you expect it to to be this big explosion. 
But yeah, then it just kind of floats there, and then they're just like, okay, well, time to go get the warp core back. So Paris, Paris, and uh, Taurus go to get it in like a little, yes. in a little uh, ship, a little shuttlecraft. Yeah, um, and they keep having, I think they keep having another personal conversation about her, and he says that she just is pushing everyone away, and if she doesn't want to be his friend, then he'll leave her alone. Um, and then they they come up on the warp core, and it's actually the the Katadi are trying to essentially steal it. Um, to, like, blackmail and, the, the... Or to kind of, like, extort the Voyager yeah, to get it back, basically. Because now, now they can come up on Voyager and say, you know, we know you have no power, you can't fight our whole fleet of ships, and we have your warp core, and so, you know, we'll attack you and destroy you if you don't give us what you want, what we want, or if you do, then we'll give you your warp core back. And, and so... Uh, as they're stealing the warp core, they attack uh, Paris and Torres's shuttlecraft, and they have to eject out into space in these spacesuits. Mm-hmm. Which I, I know to do just again because I watched all the TNG movies recently. Um, they have like the same the same suits basically that they have on like the cool scene in First Contact where they're like magneting onto the, the oh, ship. Oh, on that so, the whole of the ship. Yeah, so I was I was like, oh yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, so then they're just kind of out there, and then, like, you know, some stuff happens, of course, uh, to basically deplete their of oxygen faster, so they, uh, you know, so it's, it's going to be right down to the minute if, if Voyager, like, yeah, goes to pick them up in time. You know? Yes. Um, and then, meanwhile, on Voyager, you know, they're being extorted by the Katadi, and then Seven of Nine just uh, realizes that she can build this little device that will produce all of the thorium, which is what the Katadi use, I think, to power their ships. Like, it's kind of the main resource that they need. Yeah. And she makes this little this little box that can just produce it infinitely. Well, so, or produce as much of it as they need. Yeah, well, I think it's important to note that, so the, they originally, they want the thorium and they want some other stuff, and they want her. They, they, cause they're, cause uh, when, when Loomis was on the ship, he saw her and, like, freaked out. Uh, and, like, wanted to, like, something to be done to her yeah and and that is a thing that it kind of parallels a few interactions that she has even with other crew of voyager in this episode that everyone you know still kind of is like can't believe that you know they as a borg they tell her like oh i can't believe you did all those terrible things how do you feel about it don't you regret it or don't you feel (laughs) she's just like no bother you (laughs) and 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 yeah and she's just she just kind of is like no that was a thing that happened well, yeah, and it's like, I don't know, I was that, that is like one of those things where it's like, it reminded me of like some of the stuff on TNG where, where, uh, like people are like, Data, don't you feel bad? And he's like, no. Like, and, and, and it's like, you know what she is. I mean, like, like that there's right. like at the, yeah, at the beginning, like Bolana is like, don't you feel regret for like all those people you killed? And it's like, first of all, a weird foot to get off on with your coworker who's going to be working in engineering now with you. But then, like, second of all, no, like, like that's that's like the whole point. Not to mention the fact that it's like it, you know, it wasn't that she was like in command of her faculties either. You know, Picard does some bad stuff, and he feels guilty about it. But when he when he turns back into a man, but ultimately, like, I think there's an acknowledgement that like that wasn't his fault. That was the the collective. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I and the, you know, kind of the the thing that that with uh with seven of nine is because she was so young when she was assimilated she 
essentially has no memory or no identity outside of being Borg. Whereas Picard was like already a human and had kind of built human emotions and then spent, you know, a few days as Borg. And then now as a human has to kind of process that, you know, she has been a Borg for her entire kind of life that she is aware of or remembers. And so. But yeah, so she, she actually, you know, before, before, uh, she invents this device, she actually offers herself, she says, oh, I'll go. You know, she decides, like, you know, this is the most logical thing, and, you know, she's kind of trying to, you know, she, this whole entire time she's kind of been, like, processing that people see her as a threat, and, like, it doesn't really bother her, but then she also, like, you know, there's, like, one thing where Paris is nice to her, like, Paris is nice to her in a much more genuine way than he is to Taurus in this episode, where he's like, hey, yeah. like, you know, I know you have done some stuff in your past, but, like, that's okay, and she seems to like kind of appreciate yeah, like that. Yeah, if you ever need someone to talk to, I'll, I'll listen to you. Yeah. And then also her interactions with the captain. You know, I think the, the captain sort of acts like she's going to be distrustful of her and asks her what happened in engineering. And Seven of Nine is just like, oh, you're just like everybody else. You're going to accuse me of, of trying to sabotage the ship. And then when she says what happened, the captain says, okay, I believe you. And then they kind of move on. And, and I think that's another thing that impresses Seven of Nine that that the captain is willing to like accept her as part of the crew and mm. and treat her like like that and so so then they they parallel that at the end when she decides to create this device that like this is also this kind of act of kindness of her doing something nice for these people that is unexpected but that you know is considered like growth on her part yeah um yeah then then they realize that they don't have to do that <laughs> and and so then they they fix this thing and then they're on their way and then yep. meanwhile in space meanwhile in space that, that there is there's just a very long painful scene <laughs> i don't know i I did not like the meanwhile in space scene at all. Well, it's, it's it's important because they they Taurus and Paris admit their that they love each other basically, and they, yeah. they profess their love and which I kind believe of right as they're about to die of oxygen deprivation. Yeah, now, they they end up but, getting but married right and having kids Paris and stuff in the, they, in the show. They do end up getting married. Yeah, later on. Yeah, so then as they think they're about to die, the Voyager, Voyager comes in and um, and picks them up uh, and. There's a, there's a weird part where like they they kind of like touch their faceplates and it seems like they're going to try to kiss each other through their their, <laughs> their helmets but they, they don't do that. Yeah, all of the there's like awkward physical contact in these big bulky spacesuits all throughout this scene and they're like both talking very slowly and yeah, this scene just like passes very painfully for me but i I will say one thing that was kind of interesting about it is that voyager hails them hails tom paris and tom paris you know says like over here and then and then they they beam them back onto the ship and you you just see them like disappear in space and then that's the end of the episode like they're like it's just a weird way for the episode to end empty space and then like usually they have like some kind of like and this is what we learned type thing on these yeah like the captain will say some some little little thing some speech about how it's bad to compromise um (laughs) yeah yeah i thought the the very last and because i also i liked the there's a just visually there's a shot at the end there that where you're looking at torres's space helmet Mm -hmm. as she's like passing out from lack of oxygen and then in the reflection of that you see kind of voyager flying up yeah i thought that was that was a cool a cool visual and that was well shot mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and yeah I, I did like the restraint in 
an ending with just like empty space. Yeah. Not necessarily needing to be like, and then they survived and they were both fine and they had found out that they loved each other that day. Right. But they were a little awkward about it the next time they talked. They thought right? they were going to die. You, know, you yeah. can see them having the scene like they're in sick bay and they look at each other and he's like, you remember what you said to me? And she's like, nope. Or something like that. But Yeah. I, um, this episode was fine. It, uh, I mean, like, I think that's kind of what we're coming around to, right? Like, it, it, I didn't like, yeah. I don't like Tom Paris. Bolana, like, I feel like I don't really know her. She didn't really, I don't think that the actress was, like, well served necessarily by just, like, the material in this episode necessarily. I mean, I know, I know that, like, she's also, like, a Klingon, so that's kind of Klingon seals. They're angry a lot of the time, but, but I liked the seven stuff. Jerry Ryan's a good actress. Um, yeah. You know, I thought it was interesting to see, like, something so close to when she started on the show, which kind of shows you, like, a different part of her. But it was just, you know, it was it seemed like a very uh, standard episode, you know? Not necessarily... Not a bad one, but, like, not, not one you'd put on, like, a highlight reel. I don't think either. Yeah, I agree. And it, it seemed like there could have been... Yeah, I don't know if you could have done more with it. Because I feel like they, you know, the whole theme of... Or they... They, you you feel like they wanted there to be this theme of of honor and you know her like Klingonness and that, but then I don't think that actually came into play at all with how the the story played out. Yeah, I kept on thinking you know that they I mean? were. Like, it's not like she did anything, you know, because I feel like what what you would expect is you know she goes to this Klingon thing and they they talk about you know to prove your honor you have to defeat enemies and. So, you know, go be hit by pain sticks and then fight with a batlet. Yeah. It's all this very, like, violent Klingani stuff. And so you expect what's going to happen is that she comes to the realization at the end that she has her own way to to be honorable and to do something heroic, even if it's not a, right like, violent combat thing. Yeah, living living well is the best honor. <laughs> right. Yeah, you've, right, like, that's, that's the sort of narrative that I feel like you, you would kind of expect. And instead, it's just, I guess the honorable... Th- or like courageous thing she does is being honest about her feelings, I guess is kind of the most, as she thinks she's going to bite it. Like the most I could get. Yeah. Like the last thing she does is this honorable thing of like, she tells Tom Paris the truth that she loves him, which like, I, I admit like sure is a, is courageous and that, but I don't know. It's kind of not, I feel like if you wanted to make an episode called the day of honor and have this setup of, of her struggling with this part of her Klingon heritage where the episode ended up didn't really seem to pay that off for me. Yeah. I, yeah, I, um, I like Voyager quite a bit, but I think that like a good indication of really like my investment in anything, but it is like how much I get get distracted by like things that are, don't necessarily matter. But I think especially for Voyager that like that thing is like how, how much am I being distracted by like wondering when they decide to be at warp speed or at impulse speed? Um, <laughs> and, and so like, I was thinking about that, like constantly those episodes, like, why aren't they at warp speed all the time? Like, have they ever explained that? Yeah, if I you're wonder. just trying to get home, why do you keep like yeah. stopping and just kind of flying around? And like, why were they going at impulse speed when the, the commodity, you know, uh, Stop, you know, talk to them. Like, so I just kept on thinking about that stuff. Um, and so that's just like not necessarily like a great sign. Again, it wasn't a bad episode, but it just, you know, it wasn't really like gripping me, uh, in, yeah. in the way that like the best ones of these do. I will, I will say that there was a couple of weird things about this episode that, like, where it kind of did make me wonder, like, they, I, I was, was DS9 still going on at this point? Do we know? 
uh, or was it? Um, let's see. So this was 1997. Season four. I yeah. Let's see. Deep Space Nine was from. Yeah, it was. Uh, Deep Space Nine was from 93 to 99. Okay. Because so. because um, so there there's this cave like a holodeck cave that uh, that Taurus goes into to like do the the Day of Honor ritual, and it looks like exactly like the cave that um in in the recent episode we watched where where uh jedzia helps out all of those like old men klingons um you remember yeah. there's that scene where like that old man is like practicing with the batleth in a cave and it looks like the same cave and i was is it the same cave? well I, I mean it could be i guess i don't i don't know i mean like you know they do reuse stuff like that yeah. in tv shows sometimes like if the you know i, I don't know but it, it, did, it seemed like the same cave and then and then i was also distracted because like i don't think that the day of honor has been has been previously mentioned in, in Star Trek, but there is like some other Klingon ritual that Worf does in TNG, where he has to get beaten by a bunch of pain sticks. Um, and so I was like, "This is you know," I was like, I didn't, "Didn't Worf do this?" And and uh, and also it's just like, yeah, of course there are multiple pain stick um, <laughs> pain, pain stick holidays in, in the Klingon religion. <laughs> so also I was thinking about that you know, we, we were trying to come up with like bad Klingon holiday names. I thought of one. Uh, uh, Kayla Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I do like Kayla Smith. <laughs> I, I can kind of see, I can kind of hear Worf saying that. Thing, anything else you kind of picked up from this that were stuck out to you at all? So the the other thing that I, I remember thinking is that Tom Paris really needs to stop making space-related euphemisms because uh, he—I forget—in the in Caretaker, there's he when he's hitting on the 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 like shuttle pilot that's taking him to Voyager uh-huh. at the very start, he says something about, or maybe she says something, but something about like coming at women at warp speed, and then he says something about hailing frequencies being open or something like that, uh-huh. and then in this one when they're floating out in space, there's. And I, th- I think it's when the oxygen runs out and they have to essentially come, like they have to plug into each other's suits to share oxygen. Mm-hmm. Or, or there's something where, where essentially they come like, they have to be like holding on to each other physically. And he says something about initiating first contact. Right, right, yeah. And and I just decided, no. <laughs> Stop it, yeah. Uh, I noticed a couple of like, funny science things in that in that scene because there's one point where she's like trying to like do something to the to their suits to like amplify a frequency or something and she says like this would be a lot easier if i had a liberty gibbet thing you know or whatever it is that she says oh yeah and then like it just shows her and she's just like pushing some buttons like and she's a, just pushing yeah, she's <laughs> just pushing buttons that are different like large buttons that are different shades it, of red they're finger size like it doesn't seem like it, <laughs> yeah. it's actually it seems like if you had a device instead that would be harder almost <laughs> yeah that 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 did seem i did thought was like very nicely reminiscent of sort of original series era technology yeah where everything is just sort of knobs and glowing buttons mm. instead of instead of touch screens or voice commands or that yeah well, and then the, the, that also in that scene, Paris makes a suggestion that is maybe like one of the more concentrated like science nonsense for, uh, sentences we've heard in a while, because uh, they're trying to reach Voyager with the communicator and it's not it's not it's too far away, and so Paris, I believe what he says is that they can 
link their communicators to form a phased carrier wave to reach Voyager. <laughs> and like, all right. I mean, like, that doesn't mean that's nothing. Like, but sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, you just. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you, you just said nothing. It's not a complaint. It, you know, that's just what the show is. But like, for some reason, that one really struck. It's just interesting. Yeah, it, it's yeah. It's just like I'm not even gonna try to pretend like I understand that 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 means real things. But <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I don't really have. I didn't take a lot of notes for this. It wasn't like I was trying I didn't not either, to. Really. But. Um, the only other thing I I remember noticing because again, like we said, this was. The, this was very soon after uh, Seven of Nine joined the crew, or Jerry Ryan joined the show. And for some reason, she just seemed like very young to me hmm. in this episode. I don't know if there was something in like her voice or uh, or that, but... She's wearing a different uniform that she ends up wearing. I don't know if that maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, and, and again, she, she does have the whole kind of shared problem with uh with deanna troy that she's she's never allowed to wear an actual uniform yeah it's just stuck in these like skin tight cat suits the whole until like the very end of the series but um but yeah there's especially like there's a scene where she's interacting with janeway and she, it just seems very apparent how much younger she is uh-huh. um and i don't know if it's just because all the other seven of nine episodes we've seen are have been closer to the end of voyager um, which I suppose is only two or three years later, but yeah. um, or if she just kind of because she developed the character more and kind of that more sort of stoicness, and at this point she's still more unsure. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if there's really anything. If that was just me, but I just like seeing her. I like I like I like her when she shows up. Uh, she's my favorite. She's my favorite uh, Voyager character. So yeah, she's a very it's she's a very interesting character. She always turns in a really good performance, I think. I'm very excited to see her on Picard, which by the time that uh, this episode comes out will probably be over. Also, I should correct myself, yeah, too. I think when we... La- I was listening to one of our recent episodes and I had mentioned that I thought it was just a miniseries, but apparently it's been renewed for season two, so... Oh, wow, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, th- she's one that I hope they do a good job. And I, again, because she is really good, so I assume they will do a good job with that character, but I hope they do. Yeah. Um, just because... I don't know, like her, she very much looks like her character is action hero, which has is just, I guess, never really been a thing with Star Trek, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean... You know, like, kind of what's yeah. interesting about her character is more the the personal, like, her herself and her development and struggle in that, but... Yeah, I mean, she's always seemed very, like, capable to me, and so, like, I, th- I think that, uh, like, seeing her, like, the bits that, on the trailer, I'm kind of like... I could understand how that character could turn into this character, I feel like. You know, like yeah. more so than I like, could, like, say if if Jordy was doing that, you know? like Yeah, that's uh, fair. But not that Jordy's not capable, but just Jordy, Jordy is, like, a huge dork, you know? Um, right. Not a run around with phaser rifles and rescue people. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's it for this episode. Uh, if you've been listening to us since the beginning of the – so since, since a year ago, thank you very much for doing so. Yeah, and uh, you know, just as a reminder, we're on a podcast network now. We're on the Kaleidoscope Media Network, um, so you can check out uh, one of our sister shows, like Here's Johnny, which is a horror podcast, or Wizard Studies, which is a Harry Potter podcast, or uh, That's Not How Science Works, which is a kind of taking science and you know applying it to pop culture show. Uh, we should we should get them on our show sometime. You know, on an episode where someone gets turned into salt or something. Yeah, right. That'd be good. So uh, check those out, um, and uh, you know, as far as us, uh, as far as we go, you can go to our website at Out of Contracts 
www.podbean.com uh, or you can follow us on Twitter at contracts or you can email us at outofcontracts at gmail.com. Contracts is spelled C-O-N-T-R-E-K-S. And uh, what are we doing uh, next week? We are doing a... So next week we next, are... next uh, episode, I guess, be... two weeks from now. Yeah. So our next episode is we're going to be watching a episode of Deep Space Nine. Uh, it's season seven, episode three. It's called After Image. It is called After Image. Yes. Yes. I gotta be better about keeping that stuff on my phone, won't we? Um, <laughs> yeah. So that every episode doesn't end with this being yeah. like, so next week. And uh, <laughs> uh, spoiler alert for for After Image because we record these two at a time, so I've seen After Image. Uh, a strangely parallel episode, I think, to this one. Uh, so yeah, we'll 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 we'll, uh, we'll talk about it, uh, and you'll you'll hear us uh, in a couple of weeks. But yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Yeah, thanks everybody. Bye. Although listeners of this podcast may find themselves brave for having withstood classic episodes like the body switching, the enemy within, or the gothic witchy horror of Cat's Paw, we at the Here's Johnny podcast like to dive even deeper into the genre of horror. That's right, Justin, and even though you really dated yourself naming off two super old episodes of Star Trek, here on the Here's Johnny podcast, we review video games and films from all over the horror genre, looking at different subgenres like vampires, aliens, and zombies, and we compare the similarities and differences between the media. We also have discussion-based episodes, which range from interviews with people in the industry, deep dives into directors, and their filmography or analysis into video game timelines. Yeah, that fictional history of Resident Evil was quite the doozy. But be sure to check us out. You can find us on any podcasting site. We have new episodes every Monday, and our website is here's Johnny Podcast.wixsite.com backslash horror. And on there, you can find links to our episode feed, all our social media. It is all there. And remember, in space, no one can hear you scream. And stay scary. <laughs>